0: Fast-growing companies need the right tools, so they choose NetSuite by Oracle. Get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com earnings. That's netsuite.com earnings. Hey, Max. Hello, Becca. So you and I went to a bar in downtown Manhattan when it was still extremely cold out, and we went to talk to people about the gender pay gap.
1: We wanted to hear what the average person on the street has to say about this stuff. One of the first guys we talked to works for the state of New York.
0: At first, he told us he believed in the pay gap and even saw it in one of his previous workplaces. But then, after talking to him for a little while, he told us what he really thought. From what I can see in my current position, if there's a gap, it's not 20 cents on the dollar. But if that was in fact true, yes, of course, that's not right.
1: But it is true, as far as I know. That really is what the data shows, I think.
0: Yes, it is.
1: So this guy knows women are paid less, but the 20% number he hears it, it just doesn't sound right to him. He looks around, he sees things getting better for women, he just doesn't buy that things could really be so bad.
2: I don't think it's a conspiracy, um... But yes, I
0: I think maybe it may be somewhat overblown, especially nowadays. It's a lot different than it was even 10 years ago. So while I recognize there probably is somewhat of a gap, I think that gap is getting smaller. I think there's more opportunities for women these days to advance in their career. Then he said something that reminded me of what I hear in my reporting all the time. It's not that the pay gap isn't real exactly, but that I'm misunderstanding the data. Basically, the data doesn't show what I say it does. You can look at data, I can look at data, she can look at data, and we can all come up with our own numbers. I mean, it's not a black and white thing. There's a very gray area.
3: you look at the world you know we're 50% of the population like where is our place like where's our value women deserve equal pay for equal work as a woman we almost put this gender bias in ourselves and nationwide
0: the median salary for men is greater than women in 99.6% of major occupations women
1: what do they want
2: we want to end gender inequality and to do this We need everyone
1: involved. Well, actually, it's the feminists, celebrities, and politicians spreading this wage gap myth who have the math problem.
4: Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did. She just did it backwards and in high heels.
0: Welcome back to The Paycheck. I'm Rebecca Greenfield. This week, we are going to investigate the gray areas in the data. We've heard from listeners who feel like the guy from the bar. And we've also heard from people who don't believe in the pay gap at all. They say that 20% figure, the gap between what women and men make in the U.S., is misleading. That it's just an average that doesn't control for people in the same industries or doing the same job. This is a common critique of pay gap reporting. Here's Brit Hume on Fox News making that same case. Women make different choices about what kinds of jobs they seek in reaction to marriage and childbirth. When those things are taken into consideration, studies have indicated that the pay gap all but evaporates. That phrase, all but evaporates. I hear it a lot, that the pay gap disappears when you control for things like the fields women tend to work in and the time they take off to care for their families. The pay gap does get smaller when you control for certain things. But no matter how much math you do, it never disappears. When you control for a job title, company, and industry, one study found that there's still a 5.4% pay gap in the US that's unexplained. We know pay discrimination is still happening, and that's not right or fair. But I also want to talk about another part of this argument, that women make choices to focus on family rather than work, and that's why we earn, on average, 20% less than men. Is that what's really happening? The research does show that women start off at near parity with men in their careers, but after having a kid, the gap widens. Is this because women are choosing parenting over working in high-paid jobs because that's what they value?
2: I think that it's a more complicated story
0: than simply that
2: women value family more than careers. I think the whole workplace is really set up so that it's harder for women to be parents than it is for men.
0: That's Robin Ely. She's a business administration professor at Harvard, and she recently co-wrote an article with Kathy Tinsley, a management professor at Georgetown, called What Most People Get Wrong About Men and Women. When she talks about how the workplace is set up better for men than women, she's partly talking about the rigid 9-to-5 workday and how that makes it harder to, say, pick up your kids from school. It's challenging for anyone, regardless of gender, to work a full-time job and take care of kids but we expect women more than men to make it work. And to make it work, women shift to jobs with fewer demands, flexible schedules, or telecommuting options.
2: The culture is telling them that once you become a mother, to be a good mother, you really need to take those accommodations. Whereas for men, it's saying, you know, you really shouldn't take those accommodations because your role is as the breadwinner. So men tend to ratchet up after they have kids and women will be more likely to ratchet back. So the culture and the organization interpret what people should be doing once they have children.
0: This idea that we expect women to do less at work when they have a child and men to do more, it shows up in the data. Women's earnings decrease 4% for every child she has. Men's earnings actually increase 6% when they have kids. These are known as the motherhood penalty and the fatherhood bonus. And even when men and women both act the same at work, the stereotypes we have about women can hurt their earnings. Here's Kathy Tinsley, Robbins' co author.
1: So, when somebody is absent from a meeting, there's oftentimes uncertainties about why that is occurring, right? You don't have perfect information in corporations about what everybody is doing all the time. And what happens is when you have imperfect information, Your brain doesn't really like that imperfect information, and so it fills in that imperfect information with assumptions, with educated guesses about what that missing information is. And people use gender stereotypes as a way of helping them fill in missing information. And so what can happen in any meeting where a man may be absent, the assumption is more likely to be, oh, he could be at another client meeting or he, you know, had some emergency come up that was Also work-related, right? Whereas if a woman is doing it, it would be more likely to be a family-related assumption.
0: So even if women and men do the same things at work, we imagine a woman's work is suffering because of her family, whereas we don't assume the same thing about a man. Then there's that other point that pay gap skeptics make, that women make different choices about what kinds of jobs we seek. As we've talked about on the show before, women do tend to work in jobs that pay less, like teaching and secretarial work. Last week, we showed you that those jobs pay less because women do them. But is working in these jobs always a choice? Take technology. It's a well-paid and male-dominated field. If women aren't rising to the top or succeeding as coders and engineers, some people say it's because they're just not interested in it or not good at it. And that feeds into this general idea that women don't have the aptitude for math, coding, or other skills that happen to lead to high-paying jobs. We're just choosing jobs, lower-paying jobs, that we just happen to be suited for.
1: Well, there's a couple of things that are going on there. The first is, are women as good at math as men? And the answer there is yes. Um, Shelby Hyde has been doing research for decades And all of her research shows that the gap between men and women in math ability is small to negligible. You could call it trivial. Then the question becomes, well, if there aren't any inherent differences between men and women in math ability, then why is it that women aren't entering some fields and men are entering them?
0: One theory that Robin brings up is that those fields, they aren't hospitable to women. That's where you have to look into the context.
2: What is it that men and women experience in the workplace? And are they given the same
0: opportunity to thrive? That question, are women given the same opportunity as men to thrive? We know that women and men do have different experiences at work, like women experience much higher rates of workplace harassment. And that actually pushes them out of the highest paying jobs in fields. Research has found that when women get harassed, they go to safer jobs. And the more female-dominated jobs have much fewer reports of workplace harassment. And those jobs, they pay less. But there are more subtle ways our experiences are different, too. There are all kinds of messages that tell women they don't belong in the higher tiers of a company. Does it mean
2: the same thing to strive for a particular job? Is it harder on women to perform in a job where they have power over other people? Probably. Because the stereotype is that women aren't supposed to want to have power. They aren't supposed to want to be ambitious. And so um, so it's just, it's just harder to live in those jobs.
0: When we talk about the gender pay gap, we're not talking about people in power, mostly men, conspiring to pay women less. There's no grand conspiracy. Just a bunch of systems that don't work well for professional women because they were never designed to. As hard as the aggregate number is to understand, even when we hear stories from individual women that are telling us exactly how much less they're making, we don't always see it as a part of the pay gap. Our next story is about a time a woman pointed out something that seemed unfair and the world came back at her with a million reasons why she can't be mad about it. Earlier this year, comedian and actress Monique went public about a salary negotiation with Netflix that went south. She said she was offered way less to do a comedy special than what famous men and white women had been paid. She asked her fans to do something kind of major, boycott Netflix. Her story went viral, but not in a good way. People didn't rally behind Monique like they rallied behind other women in Hollywood. They told her she didn't deserve more money.
4: To say what kind of actions was I expecting, I don't, I wasn't expecting... The reaction of, oh, we'll just do it because Monique said it. I was expecting for us to
3: research what it is that I'm saying. Jordan Holman
0: spoke to Monique
3: about her experience. On January 19th, Monique posted a video on Instagram. This was not a typical Monique post. Her feed is mostly clips of her working out and dancing or promoting the podcast she does with her husband, Sydney. Most of the time, she starts her videos with Hey My Babies. On that Sunday, she went off script.
4: Hey my loves, I am asking that you stand with me and boycott Netflix for gender bias and color bias. I was offered a $500,000 deal last week to do a comedy special. However, Amy Schumer was offered $11 million, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle $20 million.
3: Then Amy Schumer- a popular fan revolt from Netflix didn't happen. The general reaction was not pro-Monique. In blog posts and tweets, comedy fans were skeptical about the comedian's call to action. Words like delusional, loudmouth, and ignorant were being thrown around. A few people defended Monique, but most said she was basically stepping outside of her lane. Here's Tony Rock, Chris Rock's brother, talking to TMZ.
0: She's calling it color bias and gender bias, in her words. No, I don't believe that. Monique ain't been on stage in how, how, how long? She's been on stage in a long, long time. time. Before the Parker, yeah. Yeah, and you. Keep
3: I thought it time was time. especially interesting that people were reacting like this to Monique at the start of this year, which was also at the height of the Me Too movement. The public was learning that other big-name actresses like Michelle Williams and Claire Foy from the Netflix series The Crown were paid less than their male co-stars. But the audience response to those Hollywood pay gaps was very different. People got really mad about it. Claire Foy even ended up getting back pay. I talked to Monique about all of this in March. Hello. Hi, this is Jordan. Hey, Jordan, how you doing, baby? It's Monique. Good. How are you today? I'm wonderful, sis. I'm so glad. We- I asked her if she was surprised that people seemed to respond differently to her pay gap than those other actresses.
4: It didn't surprise me because of what the package looks like in Monique. It's a problem. And those two sisters that you named, they're white women, correct? Yes. Right. So when our white sisters say, listen, this is not right. We listen and we should. And we should. Now, if I'm a fat black woman. So, people are really looking at me like, Have you lost your mind? You should just be grateful they let you in. Because you got three strikes going against
3: you. You a woman, you black, and you fat, and you want to take a stand? Girl. Monique is one of the most famous black female comedians in America. But even before this Instagram post, she has always been the type of celebrity that you either love or hate. She has a huge personality, and her comedy isn't for everyone.
4: Black women don't give a f**k. We don't give a fuck. We don't give a fuck about s**t. We don't give a fuck. We don't give a f**k. Girl, you're going to work tomorrow.
3: Girl, f**k that job. In the early 2000s, she was everywhere. She had The Monique Show... She wrote books. She appeared on sitcoms. But what I know her from is The Parkers, her number one hit sitcom on the UPN network about a single mother and her ditzy daughter. If you were a black girl like me, it was appointment TV. Monique moved to L.A. to pursue acting when she was 30. She got the offer to star in her own show, The Parkers, after only 90 days in Hollywood. When they told her how much she'd be making, she felt like a kid in the candy shop.
4: So I was that little girl. I didn't know to ask questions. I didn't know to say what's ratings because no one told it to me. So when they told me I would be making twenty-two thousand and five hundred dollars a week, what? You mean every? You mean every week I would I would get this? Well, that's more money,
3: Jordan, than my parents made. Monique's star kept rising, and in 2009, she landed something very rare for a Black woman, an Oscar nomination. Not for her comedy, but for her role in the serious drama, Precious. And that's when something happened that earned her a reputation as a troublemaker in Hollywood. See, winning an Oscar involves its own separate kind of side job. You don't just sit back and let the Academy honor you. You have to do something called an Oscar campaign. It involves going on junkets, doing interviews and press lunches, and sometimes being on the road for months. Monique, she refused to do all of that. She says she was busy with her family. She was raising two young twins during the Oscar season for Precious. She wanted to stay home with them and watch Curious George. She says the directors and producers didn't care.
4: Everything was simply about the business. We hear all of that,
3: but we need you here. And I understand that because at the
4: time it was coming from three people that have no families.
3: Monique won that Oscar anyway, making her one of only eight Black women to ever win an acting Oscar.
4: First, I would like to thank the Academy for showing that it can be about the performance and
3: not the politics. But... Looking back, Monique says that even though she won the Oscar, refusing to do that Oscar campaign, that hurt her career.
4: I got labeled as
3: difficult and demanding. It's hard to know how much that difficult and demanding label hurt her. But after Precious, the jobs definitely slowed down. She's only done two stand-up specials in the past decade. She's been in a handful of movies since Precious, but none of them have been nearly as big. So that brings us to the beginning of 2018, when she gets this offer from Netflix. Even though she hadn't had a big hit in a while, the amount they were offering, $500,000, sounded really low to her compared to the tens of millions she knew other comedians were offered. She says that her team, which includes her attorney, Ricky Anderson, and her husband, Sidney Hicks, who is also her manager, had to fight to even get Netflix VP Robbie Praw on the phone to talk about the offer. Netflix declined to speak on this podcast, saying that they do not comment on contract negotiations. But the conversation Monique describes once they eventually did have a conference call with the studio shows you just how difficult it can be to prove your value as an entertainer. Monique and her team felt like they could make a case that she was worth more by any standard Robbie Praw could come up with. But whenever they made their case, he would just change the standard. Monique's people said she was worth more than $500,000 because of things like her Oscar. Robbie Praw said that was Monique's resume, and they didn't look at resumes. They asked why Amy Schumer's deal was so much bigger.
4: And he said, well, she sold out Madison Square Garden twice, and she had a big hit over the summer. So, Sydney said, Is that not Amy Schumer's resume? And you know how quiet it is right now, Jordan? Yes. That's how quiet it was on the phone.
3: We talk about the gender pay gap a lot, but if you're a black woman, you also face a racial pay gap. It's really tricky to know which one affects you more. We know women make 80 cents to the dollar on average, but if you're a black woman, You get 63 cents to a white man's dollar and 93 cents compared to black men. Here is Monique being told that the market value for her entertainment was less, way less, than a white woman or a black man. Was it her qualifications, her race, her gender? It's impossible to ever say for sure. And that's what's so crazy for anyone who's ever been in a negotiation like this. If you're one of those people who knows Monique as a comedian and you're just not into her jokes, you might think she's ridiculous for comparing herself to Amy Schumer or Dave Chappelle. But a few people had her back.
4: But then you have those other people saying, you better not sit
3: down. You better keep standing. You better keep speaking up and speaking out. After all, she says Schumer and Chappelle were offered 22 times more and 40 times more respectively than she was for a similar job. Were they worth that much more than her? Comedian Wanda Sykes thanked Monique for sharing what Netflix seemed to be offering Black women compared to men and white women. Wanda Sykes? She said Netflix offered her $250,000 for her own comedy special.
4: And when I called for that boycott, there have been people that have said, calling for a boycott was extreme. And I want to be the first to tell people calling for a boycott is extreme. It was extremely extreme. However, isn't inequality extreme? Injustice is extreme.
0: Some people might hear Monique's story and say hers was obviously not a case of discrimination. She'd barely worked in comedy since the Parkers. And some just don't find her appealing. But take the reasons why she hasn't worked and why she's not always appealing. Her gender, her race, and even her size are all part of it. That's how a lot of the gender pay gap plays out. Women make less than men for what seem like innocent reasons. But when you dig deeper, the real reasons have everything to do with the fact that they're women. Next week on The Paycheck, We'll go to a country that thinks it knows how to fix the pay gap. How? By forcing big business to come clean. Thanks for listening to The Paycheck. If you like the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate all feedback, even those one-star reviews from people who don't believe in the pay gap. This episode of The Paycheck was reported by Jordan Holman, Max Abelson, and hosted and reported by me, Rebecca Greenfield. It was edited by Francesca Levy and produced by Liz Smith. We also had help from Magnus Henriksen, Jillian Goodman, and Janet Paskin. Our original music is by Leo Sidrin. Carrie Vander Yacht did the illustrations on our show page, which you can find at Bloomberg.com paycheck. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts.